We're in part number three of a series we've called Today Matters. And in this series, we've simply said this, that nothing in our life will ever change until we change something that we do every day. We all have dreams, goals, aspirations of the new year. But... Our dreams, goals, aspirations many times don't happen, not from a lack of desire, but they don't happen because of a lack of focus, a lack of alignment with uh, our time, our priorities, and uh, we've, we've been looking at that and how we all have decisions to make. Uh, we're, we're, going to, uh, we're going to start in the book of Deuteronomy. If you want to turn there, we're going to go in the book of Deuteronomy. Um, well, here's kind of the overview of the series we've been talking about. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19. Um, God says, today I have given you a choice. Everyone, why don't you say that with me? A choice. choice. See, we, it's, we have that. We have a choice about how to live. Ways of life and death. Today I give, give you a choice between life and death. Between blessings and curses. Now I call heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. And I love, what, I love what the writer says. Oh, that you would choose life so your descendants might live. So there's choices that we have to make. There's decisions that we can make in our life. Are we going to choose life or are we going to choose death? Are we going to choose God's way or are we going to choose our way? And what we've been talking about is many times God's way is not um, intuitive. It's not like what we would think it would be our way. That's why I think the Bible is incredible because there's so many times I read it and it's just like that makes no sense at all. But it, whenever I live it out, it's like God uh, does things that I could never imagine. It's, 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 so, it's so incredible. So week one we talked about how um, seeking God first makes all the difference in our life. Last week we talked about how our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. If you weren't here last week, you need to listen to that message because it's all about our thinking and how we can say things to our... Other people can say things to us and hurt us. We've all been hurt by people, but none of us have been hurt by anyone. Any, like, we've hurt ourselves with words more than anyone else has ever hurt us with their words. So we talked about that. And today, I want to deal with really a resolution that we all uh, probably have, or most of us probably have in this room when it comes to the new year and what we want to see happen. And that's specifically in the area of our money and our finances. Uh, we're going to uh, deal with the issue of, of, of what it means. And I want to I want to present this to you simply that money is spiritual. Money is something that, um, that, that in God's word, what we're going to study, and I've been learning about this myself, that, that, that our money can either have God's spirit or, or the world's spirit on it. And, and, and how, we, how we handle money has to do, really has a lot to do with our heart, as Jesus says. Um, this is so much in the scripture. So today, here's, here's our declaration for today. Every day we've had a just for today, I will. Today's, is, today's just for today is simply this. Just for today, I will be generous. Just for today. Not tomorrow. Forget about what yesterday was like. But from this day forward, just for today, I'm going to make a decision to be generous with my life. Jesus says, it's not in your notes, but Jesus said in Acts chapter 20 verse 25 that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And that's something that's not intuitive at all, especially with me. Uh, I remember reading uh, some years ago a book by Stephen Covey called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And in that book, Stephen talks about how we can either have uh, one of two mindsets. We either have a scarcity mindset or we have an abundance mindset. We can either have a mindset that, man, I have to get mine. I don't have enough. 
I, I need to get more. I don't, I, if, if somebody takes what I have, I'm not going to have enough and I've got to fight for what's mine. Or I can have the type of mentality of abundance where abundance says, you know what? God's my source. He's my provider. He can, and if, if I lose everything, he can make more, you know? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He can just kill a few cattle, right? And he'll sell them at the market and give it to me. Like he has, um, uh, there is abundance. And I, I uh, look at my life and I say, man, I definitely have struggled with this one. I definitely have struggled with a scarcity mentality, being afraid. It would be like this. If I had a, um, if I had a pie or a uh, cheesecake, <laughs> Or a uh, white chocolate raspberry truffle cheesecake from Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> During 21 days of, of prayer and fasting, all of... I couldn't think of any other illustration this week but, but that. I've, Lord, help me. But if, if, if we were eating a cheesecake together and, and you had a fourth of it, and I would... It, it would be like a scarcity mentality would say, well, well, oh my... It's part of my cheesecake is gone. I got to make sure... I got to... I have to guard what is mine and make sure nobody else takes it from me because it's mine. And it's, it's a cheat. Well, I have one cheesecake. It's my cheesecake. That's my scarcity mentality. And I'm going to fight you for it. You know, I may fight you right now in this, in this fast if you gave me a Somebody... You know, the devil's been busy during this fast. You know, big time. I get a notification on my phone. Papa John's, do you like cheese sticks? I'm like, well, of course I like cheese sticks. Today's your day, it says. I'm like, get thee behind me, Satan. I don't care if the cheese sticks are $5, you know? And then last Sunday, one of you sweet, sweet people hand me a gift card for Stock and Barrel downtown, the burger and fry shop, you know? And I'm like, the devil has been busy, you know? Using the people of God to tempt the pastor. My goodness. <laughs> An abundance mentality would simply say this. You know what? You can have the rest. Because I'll have another one. There's more cheesecakes out there in the world. <laughs> so here's the question. Here's a question I want to ask yourself. On a scale of 1 to 10, um, how would you rate your generosity? 1 being less generous, 10 being... Very generous. And, and let, let me help you out. Don't put a 10 because that's like Jesus. You, you know, unless you gave your life for the world. Or, and don't put a 1 either. You're not the devil. You know, if, I'm just assuming everyone's opened a door for an old lady. You know, one time you're walking into it. Like, there, nobody, don't put a 10, don't put a 1. You know, it's somewhere in between. This is a hard one, isn't it? Because here's the deal. You can have a lot of money and give and be what everybody else would think would be generous. But for you, it's not generous. Or maybe you don't have very much and, uh, and you give um, from your poverty. You give, um, it doesn't feel like, it feels like you're giving a whole lot. Well, where, where would you be on the scale of saying, you know, I'm a generous person or I'm not a generous person? Maybe you're like, you know what, I don't even want you. Why are you talking about this at church? Like, I'm ready to leave like right now. Like, why are you talking about money in church? Yeah, you, maybe this is a sensitive subject about this idea of generosity. But I promise you, I want to submit to you that I believe that this heart of generosity will change everything about it. We all have these financial resolutions and we try to tackle it kind of from a natural perspective. And, and, and we're going to help you with that. We have a Financial Peace University that's going to launch... 
um, with our small groups. It's going to help you know how to manage it and in a right way and all that kind of stuff. But here's the deal. If we don't deal with our hearts, then it doesn't matter how much money we have. You can be debt free with $10 million in the bank and commit suicide because of your depression and because you're miserable because you don't have the right heart of what matters. Or you could be so poor and so in poverty you think there's no hope and there's no way out of it. And you say there's no hope. Or you could be somewhere, I'll tell you what, some of the times where I've been in need the most have been the most moments where I've met God the most. And I felt so rich for with the blessings of God around me and the people He's put in my life and the relationships and the opportunities of, uh, to, to be able to do what the purpose of my life. And it didn't reflect it in the bank account. It wasn't, I, wouldn't have a, I didn't have a smile on my face because there was millions of dollars in the bank, but because there was a heart of generosity that God was working on the inside of me. And I want to say this is not something that came natural. This is something that's taken a lot of God and honestly, it's something that I have to remind myself of very often. Um, so, so where would you be? Where would you be? Are, are, you a, are you a three? Are you a five? And you don't have to share it with anybody. You don't have to write it down. You can just put it in your mind. Where are you at when it comes to generosity? Because this makes all the difference. That's why Jesus talks so much about money. 16 of 38 parables in the gospel were concerned with how to handle money and possessions. In the gospel, an amazing one out of every 10 verses, that's over 288 verses, are all about money and possessions. In the Bible, the Bible offers 50, 500 verses on prayer, 500 verses on faith, and over 2,000 verses about money and possessions. It's crazy. This is, this is something so big, and God knew it was big because He knew that if He could get to our money, if he can deal with our money, then he deals with our hearts because you can follow the trail of where we give and how we love and how we are generous to people and trusting and then we'll follow where our heart is leading. So God, help us today to learn and to be more generous. We're going to look specifically today at a, at, a, at a teaching that Jesus gave just about money. So we're going to look at it and this is something that, that is just amazing to me. Luke chapter 16 and verse 9. Um, and I'll explain some of these terms as we go. But Jesus says this, And I say to you, make friends for yourself. How? By unrighteous mammon. We'll talk about that in just a moment. So that when you fail or, speci or just, just specific, when you die, when life is over, they will receive you into an everlasting home. This is crazy. Jesus is saying, I want you to take what you have. I want you to take your money. I want you to take your possessions. I want you to take the things of this world. And I want you to use it to make some friends, to make an impact in the life of someone around you. And he says, one day, someday, those people that were impacted by what you did will receive you into an eternal home. It's unbelievable. Like, There'll be somebody that you gave toward that maybe you didn't even know or you had never met before. Maybe somebody on a foreign country because you loved and gave and supported some missionary. There'll be somebody, according to Jesus, that will walk up to you and say, Hey, welcome to this eternal home. Welcome to heaven. You made an impact on me because of what you did with this stuff on earth. Jesus goes on, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust with 
what is least is unjust also and much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? We'll talk about that at the end. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Watch what Jesus says. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. What are the two masters he's talking about? He explains it. You cannot serve God and mammon. What is mammon? We don't use that very much. Mammon. You know, give me my mammon. Got paid. Give me my mammon check. No. Uh, if you, I read it specifically out of the New King James Version because, um, because a lot of other uh, t- translations, maybe yours, mine that I usually read, the New Living, um, says uh, riches. And, and, and that, that, is, that is true, that it is talking about worldly wealth and riches, but it's more than that. The word mammon is used because there's really not a good word for it, honestly. It's, it's a Greek word that, that sometimes the translators of the Bible didn't really have an English word that made sense, so they just... They just, you know, Englishized it, you know, or they just kind of brought it in. And, and the word is mammonis. And it was literally a god, or in other words, it's a spirit that controls people through money. It's a spirit that controls people through possession. It's mammon. It's mammonis. It's, they just put it in the English Bible saying this is what it is. It's, it's not things. What you're going to learn from the Bible, there's nothing wrong with having things. There's not, nothing wrong with having possessions. How can we bless others if we haven't first been blessed? You know, We'll look at that in just a moment. But it's, what he's talking about here is that there is a God, a lower G God of this world called Mammon that wants to control the way that we live our life. And isn't this the God of America? I mean, isn't this the God of, that we look around? It's, it's our possessions. It's the money talks. Money speaks. We dream about money. We think about money. I don't know if you ever drive by the billboards where it says how big the lottery is and you just think, what would I do, you know? What would I do with a couple hundred million dollars? I don't, am I the only unspiritual one in the house, you know? But, you know, what would I, what would I buy, you know? I mean, what would my... And here's what I think. All my problems would go away. That's what I think. Man, we'd have a bigger church building. Wouldn't have to think about that anymore. Man, I'd have the house of our dreams that we've talked about for the last, you know, 15 years. Wouldn't have to worry about that anymore. Kids would be able to go to the greatest college. Never have to worry about that anymore. And you know what I would do? I'd never need God again. Because I would try to solve it all. With what? Mammon. I recently read a survey that was put in a book the day America told the truth here that said what would you do with 10 million for 10, what would you do be willing to do for 10 million dollars 25% said they would abandon their whole family <laughs> that's t- uh, I heard a story about a woman who won the lottery and she called her boyfriend up and she said hey I won the lottery pack your bags he said where are we going you know are we going to Barbados we're going you know he said she said by the time I get home you better be gone you know pack your bags <laughs> 23% will become a prostitute for a week or more. For $10 million, 16% would give up their American citizenship. 10% would withhold testimony, letting a murderer go free. 
7% would kill a stranger for $10 million. 3% would put their children up for adoption. Man, maybe you're here today and say, I'd do that for free right now, you know? <laughs> we're having a marriage and family series in three weeks, everybody. So that's going to, we're going to help you with that here. <laughs> but I laugh about it. But also I realize it's kind of sad too, isn't it? It's kind of sad that we live in a world today that it's mammon. It's the things of this world. What would you do for it? it? makes all the difference the way we think about it. And that's what Jesus says. Simple. You can't serve God and it. doesn't get any simpler than that. So, so let's, let's look a little bit about what mammon is. Mammon makes some promises to us. And I believe it's so loud and clear through our culture. Here's the first promise that mammon offers us. Is it's the promise of security. The promise of security. We even have financial um, products in society today called Securities. We've seen the commercials. If you have this, you have security. If you have money in the bank, you have security. But it's a lie. It's not true. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 28 says, Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. I want to tell you today, only Jesus Christ can bring you true security. It doesn't matter how much money's in the bank. It doesn't matter how many, how many zeros are behind, are, are, are behind a number in your bank account. Only God can give us true security. Only God can give us peace. Only God can give us joy. Security is found not in mammon, not in the things of this world. It's found in God and God alone. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money. It doesn't say keep your lives free from money. Some, pe- some churches and preachers act like that. That if you have money, it's a terrible... No, he says keep it free from the love of money. It's okay to have money as long as money doesn't have you. He says, and be content with what you have. That's powerful. Because God says, never will I leave you. And never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? You know, I've read this verse so many times, but I've never connected it in the context of what, G, what, what, the, what the writer was talking about. He was connecting the fact where we can say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. God's going to provide every one of my needs. He's, he's talking about money. He's talking about when we realize that God truly is our security, then we'll have a revelation of the love and the provision of God like never before. Read it every day. Speak it over your life. Here's the second promise of mammon. Identity. It promises us security and it promises us identity. If I could have more, I could build bigger. I could drive something newer. I could have something nicer. What I've learned is that I buy things that I do not need to impress people that I don't even like. <laughs> Why? Because I'm trying to be somebody. It's the identity. It's the status. Scripture says in Luke twelve fifteen. Then he said, beware. Don't be greedy for what you don't have. Real life is not measured by what we own. An actor that I, I, I love a lot of his movies, Jim Carrey, 
Hilarious. He made this statement. I saw this this week. He says, I wish everyone could be rich and famous so they could find out that it solves none of your problems. I wish everybody could be rich and famous so I can realize being rich and famous does not solve anything. Because church, our identity is not found in the things of this world. It's not found in mammon. It's not found in the house that we live in. It's not found in the car that we drive. Our identity must be found in Christ, in Christ alone. Because you know what? Your house can be taken from you. And your car could be gone tomorrow. But you know what? The name of the Lord will stand forever. And we are His sons and daughters. And we don't have to be afraid. Or we don't have to be ashamed. God, You can take it all. But our hope, our security, our identity is found in You alone. Psalm 139.13 says, For You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know them well. I just want to encourage somebody today. You are not junk. You are not a nobody. You are not your past. You are not what people have said negative over you. You are fearfully and you are wonderfully made by our Heavenly Father. And you have an identity in Him. You have an incredible identity in Him. And nobody's junk. I tell our team around here, everybody's a 10. Somewhere. There's a fingerprint of God on every single person's life. And our job here at City Hills is to help you discover what that is. When did you discover that identity? So whenever you do the ministry that God's put you on earth to do, you, you go to bed at night and say, I was made for this. Tell you, you haven't lived until you've had a day like that. We have, a, we have something we call next steps. That's what it's all about. We want to help you discover, we want to help you get connected to the church and find out more, but we want to help you discover why God put you on the planet and get you connected to that purpose in your life. That happens the first Sunday of every single month. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Here's the third lie of mammon is it will bring you happiness. It will bring you happiness. Turn on the news. Having money doesn't make you a happy person. As a matter of fact, some of the most miserable people I've ever met are some of the richest people I've ever met. Doesn't mean wealth is bad. Doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means simply this. That happiness doesn't come from all that. It's not the, it's not the genesis. And I'll say that some of the, I've met some people that were wealthy that were some of the, some of the kindest, most God-loving people in the world and funded the kingdom of God and, and lived. I, I, have, I, have, I have some friends that, you know what, they live truly that they're, that they're not owners, that they're stewards and they're generous. And I want you to know they're some of the most joyous people that I've ever met because they don't live with a scarcity mentality. They live with an abundant mentality. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, Those who love money will never have enough. How absurd to think that wealth brings true happiness. So you say, Pastor, it's kind of a dismal message. Like, so what does bring us happiness? Like, where does the happiness come from? Romans chapter 4 says it. Happy are those whose sins are forgiven. Whose wrongs have been pardoned. Happy is the person whom the Lord does not consider guilty. I want to tell you, even more important than being debt free is to have your sins forgiven. 
to be free in your life. In other words, he says the, the greatest happiness that we will ever experience this side of heaven is the reality that we have been set free and redeemed by Almighty God. Happy is he, what? Whose sins are forgiven. In other words, that's our identity. That's the bedrock. That's what matters. It's not about mammon. It's not about those things. But it's about the things of God. Maybe you have these kind of resolutions. Maybe your resolution either centers around money on one of these two fronts. Number one, I need to make more money. Like, I need more money. More mo- I need more money. Or maybe you say, you know what, I need to get my money in order. I need to get my money in order. I need, to get it, I need to get more of it, and then I need to make sure that it's in order. Well, we want to help you with that. We want to help you uh, get, it in, get it in order. We want to help, help connect you with Financial Peace University and, 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 and learn from some of, the, some of America's top um, experts on this kind of stuff so that you can learn and so that you can grow. We want to help you do that. But the thing I want to help you do today is to get God's Spirit on your money. To, to, to make sure that you're not living for mammon, but you're living for God and you're living a generous life. What does that mean? What is God's plan? What is God's idea for how we should handle our money? How do we get God's blessing on our money? How do we start getting the right mindset that, that, that will allow us to be able to make the right decisions when it comes to money? I, I want to... First uh, uh, Timothy chapter um, 6 verse 9 simply says this, People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money or the spirit of mammon is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. So how do we get free of the love of money? How, what's God's idea? What's the strategy? How do we begin to deal with this? What decisions are we going to make every day? I want to turn to Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10 and just show you this is uh, just a passage that begins to describe how God says we should handle and deal with our finances. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. It's there in your notes. It says, Bring the whole tithe, I'll explain that in a moment, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And this is amazing. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. So there's a couple concepts in that verse. He says, Bring the whole tithe. The word tithe. It's another one of those words, kind of like mammon. There's not really a, a true English word, but it simply means this, a tenth. Not just a tenth, but the first tenth. So God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the first tenth of anything that comes across your hands, anything that you're given, and I want you to bring the whole tithe. In other words, all of it, I want you to bring it into the storehouse. The storehouse was essentially the place where people would come to worship. It was the, it was the house of worship. He says, bring the tithe into the storehouse. Why? That there may be food in my house. And God says, test me in this. This is one of the only times in the entire Bible God, gives a, God asks us to test Him. I want to say, if you want to test God, don't go to a bridge and jump off. <laughs> say, God, if you're real, catch me. Don't do that. God did not say, test me in jumping off a cliff. He did not say that. But he said, you want to know if I'm real or not? Test me in the tithe. He says, see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. 
I will prevent pests from destroying your crops and the vines from your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. Says the Lord Almighty. Then the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land says the Lord God Almighty. What a passage. He says simply this. Here's my plan for your blessing is simply this. In regard to your finances, I want you to take the first 10% of your increase in your life, whatever you're given, and I want you to return it to me, to the storehouse, to the place that you have come to worship me. And he says, if you decide to do that, here's what I will do. There will be a blessing that will come over your life and over your family that you will not be able to contain. He says, I will rebuke things off of your life that were meant to to destroy your life so because you're a giver and because you choose to be generous and you choose to return back to me what I've given to you and he says all nations will call you blessed because you do this this is so powerful God will provide God says test me in this so I just have a couple from this verse just a couple things just for today just for today just for today Number one, just for today, return the first. Just for today, return the first. Say, so are you y'all, you're supposed to say this preacher, you know, you're you're the preacher. Church just wants my money anyway, right? You know? That's all this is about, you know. I want to say this. Forget that I said any of this. Just look at the Bible for yourself. And then I want you to ask. Don't ask me. Find somebody in this place and ask them after service. Say, are you a tither? If they say no, go to some. Say, oh, it's great to see you today. So glad you're here. Then go to somebody else and say, hey, do you tithe? Have you ever tithed in your life? And whenever they say yes, ask them. Tell me about it. And my suspicion is simply this. You'll never find one person that says, you know what? Shouldn't do it. You know what? To rip off. God failed me, lost everything. God's been terrible in my life. You know what? I just gave up on everything. What you're going to find, I believe, you're going to find people that say, you know what? God's faithful to me. Now, I'm, not, I'm not rich. I'm not driving Bentley. See, some of this church stuff, you get all crazy. You know, send in $5 and you'll get $5 million. You know, you should be driving. It's God's will for you to drive five Rolls Royces. I want to tell you, everybody, it's not God's will for you to drive five Rolls Royces. But you know what God's will is? He wants you to be blessed so that all the nations of the earth will look at you and say, you know what? What in the world's with those people? They're so generous. They love Him so much. What is, what's, what's the deal with that? So, stu- so return the first. And here's, I didn't say give the first. He said, return the first. This is not even being generous. God says, return it back to me. So I got thinking this week, what if, what, if, uh, what if you let me borrow your car? Maybe my car was having some trouble and you said, hey, Brandon, take my car for a week while your car's in the shop. And I'd say, man, this is awesome. Thank you. And I drove it all week. And then uh, you go, uh, you know, the week's over. And, I, you know, it's Monday. No car in your driveway. It's Tuesday. You know, Monday, you know, we're friends, so you probably wouldn't call me. Tuesday, you're like, send me a text. Hey, what's up, bro? Having a good day? <laughs> no response. Day three, I get a phone call. Where you at, man? I gave you my car. And what, what, if, what if I pulled it back in your driveway and just with tears streaming down your face? Man, I just, I just wanted to 
because I'm so generous, I just wanted to give this back to you. I want to give it to you today. And, you, and you'd say, man, why are you crying? It's mine anyway. You're like, what's your problem? You know, you, you took it. You took it from, you know, like you, you've, you've, you've had it too long. I gave this to you. It wasn't yours. You borrowed it from me. With the expectation and understanding that you would return it to me. You know what? When we don't return to God... We think we're being generous because we just give a little bit here and there and here and there and here and there. God says, you're missing my plan completely. And I want to say this. This is not about you being saved or not saved or... No. This is not, has nothing to do with that. Here's what it has to do with you being blessed. You being able to be a blessing to someone else in your world. God says, would you return it to me? What a God. He gives us breath in our lungs. He gives us money in our pocket. He gives us... All he gives us, and he doesn't ask for it all back. He just says, hey, I want you to test me and trust me in this 10%. We believe this so much at City Hills that, that we participate in this ourselves. We, get 10, we give 10% and um, over 10% the, uh, to missions. We're going to talk about that next week. We, we give 10% away immediately to, 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 to people in need. We give 10% away to missionaries and outreach in our city. But... Here's also, we, we have, if you go on our website, cityhills.com, and the giving page, forward slash giving, then we have a 90-day tithe challenge. And here's the deal. You say, well, I don't have any, you know, I don't have enough money to give. You know, people say, well, if you have it to give, and you, have, you don't have it to give. You know what? We all have it to give. That's just the point. Um, if you have a dollar in your pocket, you can give a tenth of that to God. You say, well, that's not going to make any difference. It has nothing to do with the amount has everything to do with the heart and the trust and the generosity. And I promise, if all you have in your bank account's a dollar and you give God what He said His, I promise you, He's going to bless you abundantly. And I don't know what that blessing's going to be. That's up to Him. But you know what? If you'll trust God, He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never be unfaithful to us. But give Him what's His. Trust Him in that. So we have a 90-day tithe challenge. And if you fill out the simple form on that so that our uh, finance team can track it and know who's doing that, at the end of 90 days, if you, if you go bankrupt and everything in your life's terrible and God hasn't blessed you at all, you know, we'll give all of the, all the tithe. If you're truly tithing, we'll give, you, we'll give it all back to you. Because you know what? I believe so much that God's Word is true. And I don't want this for this church. I want this for us. I want this for you. I want this for your family because there's no more in my life. There's no more tangible ways that I've realized that God is real and when it comes to my money. Period. Period. Here's the second thing. Steward the rest. Steward the rest. Are you a steward, a good steward of what you have? I wrote this in my notes. Brandon, if you were CEO of Brandon Shanks Incorporated, would you fire you? <laughs> Am I stewarding well what I have? Are you, are you, are you realizing that, yeah, 10% belong, like it belongs to God that first, but you know what? I'm going to steward the rest. I'm going to help you do that. Get it, sign up for financial peace. Get connected in a small group. Sign up today. I'm sure Aaron will be in the lobby. Be more than happy for you to sign up today so that you can learn to steward the rest. And number three, here's, here's, the, here's the heart of what I want to talk about. is focus on true riches. Focus on true riches. 
We read it in, the, in, in, in Jesus' first text where he said, he said simply this, he said, if, if you can do this right, if you can choose God instead of choosing money, he says, then I will trust you with the true riches. I will give you something that, that is the true riches. And what are the true riches? I believe the true riches are things that are not of this world. True riches are the eternal things. And what is that? The true riches are people, souls, people's lives that are being touched and changed. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break through and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Church, what would it be like if we were a church full of people? I can see it in my mind's eyes. I was preparing this message. I can see a church that is so irrationally generous that realizes that what we have is not our own, but everything that we possess is so that we can love and be a blessing. This is how the early church was. The Bible says they all sold possessions and shared with those in need and they just had this heart of generosity and you never have a specific story of anybody being generous. I love it. It didn't say, and Sister Sally sold her diamond earrings and gave it to Joe. No, it doesn't say anything like that. As a matter of fact, the only story we have in the book of Acts is one story of a couple that didn't do this. Their name was Ananias and Sapphira and they did not honor God with, a, with, with an increase and with sell, a sell of a property. And the, the writer of Acts, Luke, is like, what in the world? I mean, that's something that normally everybody else is giving. This one couple, they're not giving, you know? And what happened? When they were willing to do what God had called them to do, when they were willing to be generous and love and serve, and when, you're, when they were willing to return the tithe and then be strategic, find ministry opportunities in our city and find missionaries and, and to find ways to give above and beyond their tithe and to give offerings and to be generous and to steward what you have. Don't think about, oh, what can I do to get more? But we think, what can I do to give more? What would our resolution be like is, God, how could I give more this year instead of how could I get more this year? I think you'd probably get more in the process because God would say, hey, there's a church. There's a person that I can bless. And they'll realize it's not their own. And I'll, I'll hand it through them. And I'll hand it through them. And they will be a blessing. And when people look at us and say, what is with those people? I don't even believe what they believe. Why are they so generous? Why? Are, what's wrong with you? Why did you give me this? I don't even understand it. And then you'll say in a moment, you'll say, let me tell you about my generous God. He gave His one and only Son for me. I'm generous because of His generosity in my life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord Jesus, thank You so much for Your generosity in our lives. God, let us use this world as though we're stewards, not owners of anything. Let's realize, you know what? Today could be the last day we live. And we want to make sure that we're not living as if this world is our home, but we're living for eternity being our home. God, give us just the revelation of the blessing of giving to you. Not giving to get, but giving to give. Make us generous in this place.